Moses was tending sheep in the wilderness. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a fire blazing from a bush, and he went to see. And the Lord cried out, Moses, and he answered, Here I am, and he said, Don't come any closer. Take your sandals off your feet, because the place where you're standing is holy ground. I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Let's take our spiritual shoes off and come into the presence of the Holy God. And please stand with me while we read from his holy word. Psalm 63. It's a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So I will bless you as long as I live. At your name I will lift up my hands. You satisfy me with rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. You can be seated. You can be seated. Can you hear me? I wonder if you just join me in prayer just for a little bit longer. Just prepare your heart for the Lord. Thank you, Scott, so much. My brother in Christ. God, we just thank you so much. You are so good. Even when everything doesn't make sense, even when the world around us tries to tell us one thing, but you're speaking another, you are so good. God, prepare our hearts to receive your word today, to dwell in a dry and desolate land, and to know to look at your son Jesus' face and be fed and be watered, and be restored. God, I pray that my words would be ever so clear, coming from your hands, in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, I'm so excited to be here, you don't understand. I've been waiting all week to stand before you to tell you about how good my God is. Now, I'm telling you, like, like really good. Like, like that looks terrible. <laughs> but I'm telling you, God is a wellspring of life in that desert. Yeah. <sighs> mm. If you don't know him that way, I pray by the end of the day that he will visit your heart and he will... Uh, cause rivers of living water to flow from your belly so not only that you are fed but that everybody around you is fed that's the call that's the call today I want to speak to you about endurance uh, endurance you don't have to be strong to have endurance you just have to be willing it's not a I mean God gives it as a gift but it's not a gift that's already formed It's a gift that has to be exercised. You have to be trained 
and the gift of endurance. Just like a young kid, when you, I mean, when they turn 16, you want to give them a car and, and you want to give that to them, but they have to go through a training experience in order to understand how to, how to drive it, how to turn the blinkers on, how to check the oil, how to put the gas in it. And when God gives you the gift of endurance, and believe me, you need it because you can't live without it and you can't make it through this time without it. Otherwise, you'll draw back and the God will not be pleased. But if Jesus has come to visit you, then you have an enduring faith. If he has called you out and separated you and put you in the Father's hand, then you have an enduring faith. One that no matter what comes at you, not the death of a child, not the loss of a marriage, not the death of a second child. Come on. Uh, Not the scorn of two children who don't want to know you anymore. None of that. God, God, God is so good. He's a wellspring of life through all hardship, through all struggle, no matter what, he is the place you want to be. So uh, my first scripture I want to bring you to. Uh, children of Israel were supposed to be a city on the set of a hill, on, on top of a hill. They were supposed to proclaim God's goodness and His glory throughout the earth. The nations were supposed to come and visit our God through Israel. Israel came into the promised land that God had promised Abraham that He would have many children and many nations would come from Him, and He would make Him a great and mighty people. And they came into the promised land, and before they knew it, they started to profane the inheritance. They started to become like those that were all around them. And Jeremiah tells them, but right before this verse, that the priests are not even calling on his name anymore. They're in a desert. And Jeremiah God sends Jeremiah to the people and he tells him to tell them, for my people have committed a double evil. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they've done, dug cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that cannot hold water. If you are not holding on to the saving faith and the righteousness of Jesus Christ and keeping your place in heavenly places with him, my friends, we are just cracked cisterns in a desert and we can't feed and nobody else can either. But Jesus came that you might have rivers of living water. Y'all remember that. I want you to understand the time that you're in. We are not in a time to sit back and relax and enjoy all the things that the world has because from the kingdom, from his spiritual kingdom, from his eyes, if you remember that picture I had up in there at the beginning, that is the condition according to the kingdom of God of the world and the world system. Moses, when he was up in, the, in Pharaoh's house, he chose not to enjoy the pleasures of sin but to rather enjoy the afflictions of his people because he saw a greater hope. Do you see a greater hope today? 
Does, is the Lord working in your life to where you see a greater hope than all the things around you that may seem like they're so good and that they'll help you get through this hard time, but in reality, all it's going to do is drain you and you're going to become a broken cistern and you will have abandoned the wellspring of life. But in the end times, Paul tells Timothy, hard times will come in the last days. For people will be lovers of self. Have you seen it? Lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents. Holy Jesus, help us. Ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers. My goodness, have you slandered? I have. And there's a man in here that experienced it and he gave me grace. Thank you. Cast off slander, malice, and deceit away from you. That's what Peter tells us. Slanderers without self-control, brutal without love for what is good. Traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power. I'm here to tell you that we're in the end. And the people without Christ, who are not daily drinking from the wellspring of life. All they have is the form, the fact that they were made in the image of God. That's all they have. And they're denying his power. But called out ones, men and women of God, guess what? They're blind. But since you have seen the marvelous light, when you endure in your struggle, guess what? They can see Christ in you. Did you know that that is the hope of glory? What? How does glory even have hope? He, he sits on the outside of time. He sees everything. But I'm here to tell you that my God has hope in you that Christ will be performed in your heart, that you will know the depth, the height, the width of his love so that you can express it to the world because they need to see it. They're dying. They're in a desert. They're without water. They're at broken cisterns. They're just flowing out all over the place and they're shriveling up on the vine but God says that he sent you, Christ in you, the hope of glory so that they can see, get up out of the world, wash it off, get it away, cast it from you and receive the Lord Jesus Christ today because he wants to move through you. He wants to show you things that you've never seen before. He wants to give you things that you never thought of before and he wants to put you in places that you never would go. I'm here to tell you, Jesus understands the current situation. Yep. He despised the shame. He didn't deserve the shame. He didn't deserve the shame. He didn't deserve to be outside the camp. He didn't deserve to be hanging on that cross cursed. He didn't deserve the shame. But because of his love, but because of his love, y'all, because of his love for you and me, he despised the shame, walked into it. I'm here. He hung on the cross. He endured it. Why did he endure it? Because he saw you. That's right. Come on. 
He saw the joy on your face. He said, I'm going. Ain't nobody stopping me. He saved you. Man, praise God. Does anybody here alive? Are you awake? Do you know him? Have you heard from him? Has he came to you in that desolate place? Has he brought you water? Has he wrapped his arms around you? Come on, do you know him? He understands the current situation, and he sends us out anyways. You know why? He set himself apart so that he could set you apart, so that the world could know that God sent his only son. And when I love you and you love me, the world knows. Did you know that? When I love you and you love me, the world knows that God sent Jesus Christ, his son, for you. That's amazing. So simple. He understands the current situation. He understands that he sent you into the desert and that you ain't got a canteen. (laughs) You know why? Because he don't want you to depend on a reservoir. He don't want you to depend on a measure. Man, do you understand? I don't think y'all understand your God. He is the wellspring of life. It all comes from him. Everything from the city of God flows from him. Do you understand that? He don't want you to have a canteen because he don't want you to be limited in the desert. He wants you to have rivers of living water flowing from you. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? We've been living off canteens, off the measure of full for too long. We live in a society in the desert. You understand. The world thinks it's lush, but God says it's a desert. We live in a society that understands all it has is what it has. And we go throughout our life in this culture creating budgets. We create budgets in order to sustain what, we, what little amount we have for as long as we can. Do you remember the story of Elijah and the widow? What happened when the man of God came to see the widow? Oh, y'all don't remember? Man, I got, hey, 40 minutes may not make it. When Elijah came to see the widow, the Holy Spirit led him to the widow. The widow was making her last meal. She was gathering sticks to feed her and her son before she died. She's in the desert. The man of God comes, and he says something weird. Even when it doesn't make sense. Did y'all hear that song earlier? Even when it doesn't make sense, I will follow you. Elijah comes to the woman that's cooking the last meal, and he says, cook me a meal first. What? That don't make sense. How many of you would shut the door on the man of God's face and say, go get your own meal? But you know what she does? Woman of faith, understanding that he is the man of God, led by the Spirit. She cooks the meal. Do you remember what happened to the jar? It never ran out. Jesus is the wellspring of life in the desert. You don't need a canteen. You need the wellspring of life. He understands the current situation. Oh, David, I hope you're watching. 
and pray that time gets extended. <laughs> so I got 66 slides instead of 30, and you told me I only do 30. <laughs> he understands the current situation. I'm sorry, brother. You prayed for spiritual editing, and I gave it to you. And the Lord gave it to me, and he said 66. All right. I'm not praying that you take them out of the world. This is Jesus still walking the face of this earth, and he's praying for you. He's praying for you. He says, I'm praying that you not take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. He doesn't want you to get destroyed by the evil one, but he wants you to make an open show that he is worthless, that he doesn't have any power over you, and that nothing he can do can can defeat you or the anointing that God has put in your life. He wants you to make an open show of him just like he did when he rose again from the, on the third day from the cross. He made an open show of the enemy and he wants you to do that and he wants you to feel that and he wants you to experience that. What do you got? I've got the author and the finisher, the creator of life in me. Who can stand against me? Man, he wants David's anointing to come on you when you're looking at a 10-foot giant and you got a desert behind you and all you have is the anointing with you and he wants you to look at that giant and he wants you to tell it, you coming down, man. And I'm going to get something silly out of a brook, three stones and a slingshot, and I'm going to sling it at you and it's going to hit you right in the middle of your head. And you're going to come down. That's what he wants you to say to the enemy in this world. You have no power over me. That's why he sent you back in. I sanctify them by the truth. What truth? The truth that he received from the Father. I only do what I see my Father do. I only say what I hear my Father say. Is that what we're doing? Man, Jesus, please give us repentance. And I'm talking about myself, y'all. Are we only saying what the Father's saying? Think about your week. And I say this because I know I've done it. Think about your week. How much encouragement came out of your mouth? How much came out about the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ? How much? And that's okay. If it's not much, because God is rich in mercy and he's faithful to forgive. And when he extends that to you, guess what? You're supposed to extend that to others. All right, so as you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world and I sanctify myself for them so that they may be also sanctified by the truth. Sanctify means to set yourself apart, to be different. He set himself to be different so that we could be different in a world that's different. We are ambassadors. Do you know what an ambassador is? Man, I need some water. An ambassador. Everybody knows what an ambassador is? Shake your head. Yes. All right. Good. From now on, then we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective, even if known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Woo! Come on. Are you a new creation? 
Y'all ain't no new creation. You ain't got no voice. Are you a new creation? Yes. Yes. (laughs) The old has passed away and see the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to God himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Thank God that is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors. We are delegates of the kingdom of God. You are a sojourner in a world system that hates your guts. And you are here to present the gospel of the kingdom, the good news. The king is coming. He's came, he's living in my heart. That's the evidence. That's the down payment. I got to live in this body of death all day long so that you can see the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ in my life when I do something crazy that you never thought you would ever see somebody do, and then it work out. Yeah. I already did that one. He rescued you to shine his light before men. He has rescued us. Whoo, I wish I had time to tell you a story. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and he has transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Let me tell you something. My God does some amazing rescuing. No, y'all don't understand. He rescues. He hears the prayers that you pray in secret and then he acts on them in a supernatural way that there's no possible way it could happen. And he intervenes. Short story, my oldest son, 19 years old, left my home at 17, didn't want to live under our rules, didn't like the life that we were living. We had just, and it was a hard life, we had just heard from the Lord to sell our house, moving into an RV, move to my in-law's place. God bless you, Emmett and Vicki. I love you to death. Amazing host, but still, nonetheless, it's two houses mixed together. So the Lord led us to sell our house, move into an RV, and wait. And I brought my whole family into an RV that's way too small. If you, ever dis- if you ever hear God say, buy an RV, buy a big one. <laughs> all the slides, front slides, back slides, rear slides, get all the sides. All right. so we moved into an RV and he was being homeschooled and he wasn't having it dad I'm young I got too much I want to do I want to make my own mistakes I want to go live my own life and I'm going to go prodigal so he left and he went home to where he wanted to be and he lived And he would call me on the phone and he would tell me about all the good stuff that was happening and all the fun he was having. And I just, me and Crystal would just be praying, God, let him hear you. Help him get out of the trap of the devil. Help him to hear your voice and respond. God, just let him respond to you. Please, just let him respond. God, you said... 
If you train them up in the way they should go, they won't depart. God, I'm praying, please don't let him depart. Don't let him get swallowed up in the desert. He just, he, he got to the point after two years, he started calling me and he was just, you could hear it in his voice. He was slipping into depression. Everything was going wrong. And that's the way it is. You know, he, the enemy, he'll show you things that, that looks real luscious, but at the end of it is death. And he was experiencing the death part. The pleasure had already left and the death part had come and it was taking its toll on him. I mean, he was losing relationships and he was medicating, self-medicating and it was going all wrong. He was feeling like he didn't even belong here anymore. And we're still praying, God, I want to go get him. I want to go get him. I want to go snatch him out of that place and I want to put him on a rock. And I heard from the Lord... On 1653, right beside my house, he said, let me finish what I started. You see, sometimes when you reach in and you grab them out too soon, it doesn't take its effect. And the Lord said, just let me finish. Okay, Lord, just, just, just call him home, God. I'm waiting. I just want him to come home. I want to embrace my son. I went, to a, I went to a conference called uh, Trace Diaz. You spend three days with Jesus. And let me tell you, you come out changed. And it is a real thing, Scott. I promise. You're going to go. <laughs> I came out of there, and the Lord gave me a scripture, Psalms 27. We'll see it in a minute. And he, he was just telling me, it's going to be okay through the scripture. Come to the shelter. Come to the secret place. I'm going to take you there, and it's going to be okay. All right? And so right after that, there was another Tracedius for teenagers. All right? Vida Nueva is what they call it. New life. And this guy there, when we was doing the training, he was telling me, hey, do you have anybody that could come? Because there's not many people that are signing up to come, and we need people to come. And I was like... Well, I mean, I know a few people. And he was like, what about your son? Don't you have a son? And I said, yeah, yeah, I have a son. And he was like, well, tell him he needs to be here. And I looked at him and I got all offended in my spirit and my soul. How do you know what's best for my son? You know? <laughs> but it never left me. You see, when the Holy Spirit starts speaking to you, it just keeps coming back and coming back, and it won't leave you. It's not a fleeting thought. It's, it stays with you. And if you don't follow it, uh, well, you know if you haven't. <laughs> so I followed it, and I asked him, hey, do you want to go? And he said, yeah, Dad, I want to go. I want to go. I want to spend time with you. I said, okay, Come on, we're going to go. And so we went and we gone to this place. I've never been to this camp before, but it was amazing, man. The, these kids, same kind of thing that our kids just experienced at camp. Same thing. God showed up in a mighty way. And my son had been praying to be rescued. And he gets a word from the Lord from somebody that didn't even know he prayed that prayer. And they tell him, God said he's going to rescue you. And he gave his life to the Lord, and he, in front of 200 people, he proclaimed Jesus. Amen. He rescued him. 
Man, I'm telling you, he can rescue us. The sad end, but the happy end, is that the next weekend my son died in a tragic car accident. Even when it doesn't make sense. You know what? I could be mad. God, how are you going to save my son and then take him out of the world? How are you going to take him from me after you save him? Man, you only say that if you don't know Jesus. Because when you look through Jesus' eyes at that situation, you just get down on your knees and you say, thank God. Thank God that you rescued my son. And not that I get to spend a few years with him, but I get to spend an eternity with him. Right? Right? That's my God that rescues and saves. Mm -hmm. And I heard heard a preacher say, do you know him? Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world, a city situated, situated on a hill that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Not you, your Father. Because that's where you want it to go. Has anybody ever lit a candle and put it under a basket? It's kind of dumb, right? So when Jesus lights the fire in you, why do you hide? Why do you hide it? Everybody wants to enjoy that. Even if they don't want to admit it, they want to enjoy it. And they're not going to know they can enjoy it until you shine it. So let it shine. He called you to reveal the kingdom everywhere you go. Man, on the last and most important day of the festival, guess which festival that was? Feast of Tabernacles. Guess where they were? In a desert. The Feast of Tabernacles stemmed from being in a desert. They were celebrating the fact that God was their shelter in the desert. And there was a rock in the desert. And guess what that rock did? It brought forth water. They didn't need a canteen. The one who believes me, as the scripture has said, will streams of living water flow from deep within him. He said this about the spirit. Oh, he's not really talking about water. Those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the spirit for the spirit had not been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Yeah, so many. Hey, do y'all know, did y'all know y'all going to get Genesis or Revelation? Hey, if you got to stand up, it's okay. They don't let me preach very often. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Because if you live according to the flesh, guess what? You're going to die. But if the spirit you put to death, if, but if by the spirit you live, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all those led by God's spirit are what? God's sons. This is a poor example because it, it's a container. And I just told you that we ain't supposed to have containers. But they wouldn't let me bring a fire hose in here. 
If you could imagine, this is the spirit from the kingdom of heaven. All right? I'm going to offend you. Are you ready? This is going to hurt. Everybody going to want to clean this up. All right? This is your flesh. God is always working. That's what he's doing. He's always working. He's just flowing. He's just flowing all the time. How many of you are just dying inside because you want to come clean that up? <laughs> yep. I'm even dying inside. I want to clean it up. I just want to... <clears throat> Look. When we are living by the Spirit and He's flowing and the flesh tries to interrupt, the flesh and the Spirit are contrary to one another. And we... We stop the flow of the Spirit because they're contrary to one another. When you start doing the deeds of the flesh, it stops the Spirit up in your life. You hear what I'm saying? If you have ears, ah, yeah. So what we like to do is we like to bottle all of it up that we can. And then we like to put a tap on it. And then we like to turn it upside down. And when we feel like being spiritual, oh, Holy Spirit, how are you doing today? Oh, you, this brother over here, he needs some love. And we try to pour a little spirit on him. It's because of the culture we're in. We're under, we're under these deficits. We think that we can only have this much. And, and you think about the children of Israel when they were, when they were to pick up the, the manna. They were only supposed to pick up what was for today. And if they tried to go get more, it would spoil, Right? The Spirit of the Lord is always flowing. He's always working. He's constantly working. And when we try to do the deeds of the flesh, man, this is killing me. When we try to do the deeds of the flesh, we come up over here and we're trying to clean everything up and make it all nice and neat. But I'm going to tell you something. This is really slippery. Let me tell you something. Man, when the Spirit of God moves in you, it's messy. It's messy. Think about Jesus' life for just a minute. Just a minute. Just think about Jesus' life. If you're looking at it from a worldly perspective, he was not successful. But if you know that he was led by the Spirit and you see it from the eyes of the Spirit, he was, oh my God, successful. It's messy. It's slippery. And people are going to fall. And that's okay. Okay. You know why? Because we love each other and we grow together and we're being built up and becoming the measure and the stature of Christ so that we can go and pour out on others. It's okay. Look, man, the Holy Spirit does things that's weird sometimes. And it's okay. Sometimes he'll tell you to go talk to somebody that you don't even know and give them a word from the Lord. But I don't know them and I don't know that. Then why are you having this random thought about this person that you don't know that won't leave you and just keeps coming back? It's not you. Stop taking credit for it. It's the Holy Spirit and he's speaking to you. And he's telling you to go and minister and pour out some water on somebody because he's working. He's working. He's in a desert and he's trying to bring wellsprings of life. And you know what in Galatians it all says? says? If we're in the spirit, we need to keep in step. What's that mean, Johnny? That means you better get to running. Because he's moving all the time. He's always moving. He's always doing things. And look, this posture 
in the desert, in the world that we live in, it's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to daily go pick up the manna. It's our responsibility to daily go to the rock of our salvation. It's our responsibility daily to go to the Holy Spirit and say, fill me so that you can feel others, so that you can tell others, so that we can bring more in. Because I'm telling you, we're going to a communion. We're going to a supper. A marriage feast of the Lamb. You know what? I want everybody to go with me, even the people I don't like. Because the alternative is not good. Endurance. Now we're finally at the core part of the message. All right. So endurance. It's the ability of an organism to exert itself and remain active for a long period of time, as well as it is the ability to resist, withstand, recover from, and have immunity to trauma, wounds, and fatigue. Can you think about anybody in the Bible that had immunity to trauma, wounds, and fatigue? He rose again like on the third day. <laughs> Endurance. He despised the shame, but endured the cross. What about Paul? You know, when, when God found him, he was persecuting Christians. Saul was persecuting Christians, became Paul. You know what he said? He said that God gave him the gift of grace. You know why he gave him the gift of grace? So he could show how abundant it was. That a persecutor of the church, that Jesus could even reach him. Isn't that amazing? You think somebody's too far gone? They're not. And if Jesus wants to touch you, he's going to touch you. And if he calls you, you ain't got a choice. It's happening. Did you, did you not read the beginning of the book? He spoke things into existence. What makes you think you can resist that? <laughs> Hebrews 10.36. You need endurance so that after you have done God's will, you may receive what was promised. What's promised? What? Huh? You need endurance so that after you have done God's will, after you've done what he's spoken into your ears and that weird thing that he told you to do that makes no sense to anybody. You need endurance so that you can receive what was promised. Salvation of your souls. How do we gain it? That's funny you ask. Man, I know this guy named David. He's been preaching on this for like, I don't know, a year and a half, right, David? <laughs> he's been trying to tell y'all the whole time. Look, if you want to be able to know Christ and know the f fellowship of his sufferings, because obviously that's a really good place to be, you gain endurance through suffering. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have obtained access through him by faith into his grace in which we stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in what... Our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. We need endurance. And guess what? Man, affliction. Man, that means you got to suffer. Man, sorry for you. We gain it through reading scriptures. Man, pastor tells us that all the time. You got to pray. You got to read. You got to spend time with the Lord. 
That's how you gain endurance. For whatever's written in the past was written for our instruction so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures. Isn't that amazing? How do you gain it? Through testing your faith. Oh, nobody wants to go through a test. Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Nobody wants to be tested. Nobody wants to stand when you read the promises of God and they're not happening. Nobody wants to stand when your daughter's sick. And you know that he's healed? He healed everyone? He healed everyone in that village. He healed everyone. The books can't even contain his healings? And your daughter's sick? And all you can think about is, God, can you miraculously heal her? Please. 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 17 years of please. And one day he does. Because I look through the eyes of Christ. She went home. She went home a week before the anniversary of my son's death. Not even 10 months later. 11 months later. But you know what my good God did? He gave me a vision. Did you know you can have visions? Hey, we're in a Baptist church. You can have visions. It says in the last days, young men will dream dreams and old men will see visions. It happens. It's in the book. So I had a vision. And I seen my daughter who had cerebral palsy for 17 years walking with Jesus in an expanse that I can't explain with my son, Dylan. And she was skipping. And you know what? Jesus was skipping too. Because he was bringing them in the entrance of the kingdom of heaven. They weren't even at the gates yet. They were skipping to the gates. My God. He healed her. He heard my prayer. He just knew that I needed the testing of my faith for 17 years. To stand by him no matter what. That even when I read that he's healed all over the Bible and he chooses not because he is sovereign, yet I will praise him. And I wouldn't have been able to say that, do that, or learn that had it not been for that precious child of mine for 17 years. And he didn't have to show me that vision, but he did because he's good and he loves me probably more than you. (laughs) Not really. He loves everybody the same. He don't have no favorites. Why do we need it? To be saved. What? I said the prayer. Hey, check it out. You will be hated by everyone because of my name. But this is Jesus. This should be red letters. Because of my name, you will be hated. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Let me tell you why. Because when he gives you the measure of faith, it's an enduring faith. And if he has called you out, it will endure to the end. And you will be saved. Don't slack. Don't fall back. Man, be in hot pursuit of the Lord. What's the other reason? 
so that others can see Christ. Check it out. We've already talked about this a little bit, but I want to show you the scripture so you don't think I'm just blabbing up here. But look, the God of this age, who is that? Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glorious Christ, who is the image of God. For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ, our Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Now we have this treasure in clay jars. Guess what? That's your body. That's the thing that creaks and hurts every time you get up in the morning. Why does it do that? Because it's dying. You know why it's dying? So that God can show the glory, a gospel of Jesus Christ through you so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. So you can't take credit. We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. Man, you hear the spirit of the Lord? My rivers of living water are flowing out of this man right now. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. We always carry about the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. Why do you need endurance? So people can see Jesus in you when everything else is going wrong and you still got joy what man does anybody feel like enduring a little bit no I don't want to feel the pain man look we're fixing to get to something I'm going to keep going where am I at alright so others can experience comfort you don't want the pain right nobody wants the pain let me tell you there's something in that pain man God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And you know what? Hebrews says you've got to believe it. You can't follow him unless you believe he's the rewarder of him who diligently seeks him. Look, in the pain, there's a reward. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. If you haven't experienced pain, you haven't experienced comfort. Jesus said, I got to go away. Why? So I can send the comforter because it's going to be painful and you need the comforter. You need the kingdom of heaven flowing through you so that you can make it through the pain, through the trials, through the tribulations, through the testing of your faith, through when all things go crazy, you can know that I love you and I'm with you. I'm standing in it. I conquered the world. If we're afflicted, it is for your comfort. So when you get afflicted, guess what? It's for the unbeliever's comfort and for the comfort of those around you. When I was going through the mess of my children going on to see with the Lord, I can't tell you how many people came to me and told me, man, Jesus is so good. I can see what he's doing in your life. How do you keep saying he's good when your children are dead? How do you do that? Because there's comfort in the pain. You're scared of the pain, but that's where your redeemer is. 
He's all up in the middle of it. You know, he ain't scared of your sickness. He ain't scared of your darkness. He ain't scared of your sin. He ain't scared of anything you got on you or what you've been through. He came down from heaven. He hung on a cross. He got right in the middle of it, took it all upon himself, and he dealt with it. When Jesus was on the cross, that was God's love and his wrath going to war with each other. Guess what prevailed? He rose again on the third day. His love prevailed. It produces character. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Man, it's not about just crossing the finish line. You hear what I'm saying? It's about who you are when you cross. You need endurance so that it can produce character in your life. So that when you cross the finish line, you get to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know why he says that? Because you look like his son, Jesus. What hinders it? Big red one, sin. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Scott told me about a time when he first started backpacking on, on a hiking trail. I don't know anything about it because I crawl up about 100 feet at the side of a hill and I'm, I'm ready to fall down. But Scott, and dude's got endurance. But he went on his first backpacking thing, or close to his first, and he packed everything he could. He said his pack was huge. And he learned real quick that you're supposed to pack light on a hike <laughs> so that you can enjoy the trail. You can enjoy the summit. It's not about having everything that the world has to offer and Jesus. It's about packing light and moving quick and keeping in step with the Spirit and letting others feel the comfort and see the light of Jesus Christ in you. So lay aside the sin. Lay aside the hindrance. You know, it's easy to do it. Pastor have been preaching forever on it. Stir your affections for Jesus. You won't want to sin. Be led by the Spirit. You won't do the deeds of the flesh. Man, it's so easy to say, right? That's easy to say. It's hard to do. But I believe that God can give you strength in the inner man to accomplish all those things. And me. For consider him who endured such hostilities from sinners against himself so that you don't grow weary and give up in struggling against sin. It's a struggle. It's a daily fight. The world wants you to take the bite. It wants to you to get trapped. 
It wants to hinder your endurance. Because if it hinders your endurance, others won't see the gospel of Christ. Others won't feel the comfort of Jesus Christ. Others won't understand the testing of your faith. Others won't understand. They won't see. They stay blinded. So check it out. When you go through the struggle, let me tell you what heaven's doing. Man, God bless this ministry that made this video. They grabbed something when they did. God bless them. In the Bible and Psalms, it says Psalms 32, I think. I may be wrong. Psalms 32. It says when you go into the secret place, you hear shouts of deliverance. You can't get to the secret place unless you close your eyes. Paul talks about that in Corinthians. We'll see that in a minute. But just take a minute. Let's dim the lights. Let's watch this short clip. This is what God is doing when you're in the struggle. Well, hallelujah. Man, God bless the audio team. Lord, give them strength and wisdom and understanding to do all the things that you've called them to do. In Jesus' name. So, Coach, how strong is Westview this year? A lot stronger than we are. You already written Friday night down as a lost Brock? Well, not if I know we could beat him. Come here, Brock. You too, Jeremy. What, am I in trouble now? Not yet. I want to see you do the death crawl again, except I want to see your absolute best. <laughs> <laughs> what, you want me to go to the 30? I think you can go to the 50. The 50? I can go to the 50 if nobody's on my back. I think you can do it with Jeremy on your back. But even if you can, I want you to promise me you're going to do your best. All right. Your best. Okay. You gonna give me your best? I'm gonna give you my best. All right, one more thing. I want you to do it blindfolded. Why? Because I don't want you giving up at a certain point when you can go further. Get down. Jeremy, get on his back. I get a good tight hold, Jeremy. All right, let's go, Brock. Keep your knees off the ground, just your hands and feet. There you go. A little bit left. There you go. Show me good effort. That way, Brock. You keep coming. There you go. It's a good start. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go, Brock. Good strength. That's it, Brock. That's it. Not the 20 yet? Forget the 20. You give me your best. You keep going. That's it. No, don't stop, Brock. You got more in you than that. Hey, done. Just rest for a second. You gotta keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's go. Don't quit till you got nothing left. There you go. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Your very best. Your very best. Your very best. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. Don't quit on me. Keep going. Keep driving.
driving at. Keep your, keep your knees off the ground. That's it. Your very best. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Don't quit till you got nothing left. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. I want everything you got. Come on, keep going. It hurts. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. He's heavy. I know he's heavy. I'm bad out of strength. Then you negotiate with your body to find more strength, but don't you give up on me, Brock. You keep going, you hear me? You keep going. You're doing good. You keep going. Do not quit on me. You keep going. It hurts. I know it hurts. You keep going. You keep going. It's all hard from here. 30 more steps. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Keep going. Burn. And let it burn. are burning. It's all hard. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Come on. Keep going. You promised me your best. carried a 140-pound man across this whole field on your arms. Brock, I need you. God's gifted you with the ability of leadership. Don't waste it. Coach? Can I count on you? Yes. Coach? What is it, Jeremy? I want 160. y'all stand up. Is it on my slides? What do you do when the pain hits? Look, God's, God's down on the field beside you. He's screaming, don't quit. Don't stop. You got more. It's all heart from here. He was screaming the same thing to Jesus when he was hanging on that cross. 
He's doing it. So what do you do when the pain hits? You go to that secret place where he's at, shouting shouts of deliverance. It's the place not many go. It's the only place where endurance can be seen in you. It's well past the struggle. It's in the shelter of his wings. It's with eyes closed that it can be found. Josh, can you come up? The secret place is a treasure. It's a comfort. It's a place where God just moves in your struggle, in your defeat, in your test, in your trial, in your pain. And he says he can take you there. And he can set you upon a rock so that you can see above your enemies. You ever feel like you can't win? Go to the secret place. He sets you on a rock above your enemies so that you can see all of their plans. And they will come to nothing. They will come to nothing. So I just wonder if you could bow your heads just for a minute. Close your eyes. And I don't know what you're going through. But I know that God specifically put me here today to tell you that you need endurance. And he's going to be with you the whole way. I don't know if your marriage is broken. I don't know if you've lost children. I don't know if it's your finances. If it's somebody in your family that needs to come to know Jesus, maybe it's the calling God's put on your life. Maybe he's asking you to step out into something that doesn't make sense. Maybe maybe he's trying to take you to a new place. where new people can see Christ in you and it's not about your comfort. So I just wonder, do you want to go to the secret place? Do you want him? Do you need him? Do you want to know him more? Do you want to see how far your faith can really go? So God, we just thank you today because you are the God who sees us in our struggle.
Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody, for putting up with me. Chuck, 